Your choice is simple. Join us and live in peace, or pursue your present course and face obliteration. We shall be waiting for your answer. The decision rests with you. Welcome to the fifth episode of First Strike, the Invasion Podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Siskoid. I'm Bass. And we're taking you on a journey back to 1988 when aliens invaded the Earth, as you remember if you were around back then, and covering the DC Comics crossover called Invasion and all its tie-ins, issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in. We're up to Firestorm number... 80. 80. Firestorm the Nuclear Man number 80. It's called The Battle Joined by guest writer Bob Greenberger. So I guess he wasn't writing Firestorm on no, a regular basis. No, I think basis. John Ostrander was writing back then. The Also the Suicide Squad writer. and So a great shame. Penciler Dan Greenberg. Inker Sam De La Rosa. Letterer Duncan Andrews. Colorist is Nancy Houlihan. Assistant editor Daniel Raspler. And the book was edited by Denny O'Neill of Legend. Okay. Firestorm the Nuclear Man. Where was Firestorm at this point? Well, I was kind of confused, because <laughs> I think they, they had a lot of things going on with, with Firestorm at this point. Yeah, folks, we're getting these issues as they come. We did yeah. not read 79 issues of... We didn't read a single issue of Firestorm from before this point. Exactly. To, to prepare. We're getting into it. It's already number 80, and stuff's happening. Now, I know what was happening back then, but it was a time when I wasn't reading Firestorm. I, I never read Firestorm. I read it early on, like the first couple of years. Okay. And then I read it after this point. Everything I know, <laughs> if, everything I know from Firestorm comes from either the show The Flash, the New 52, which is, I don't know if it's good or not, because I never read Firestorm before, and uh, the Fire and Water podcast. That's all I know from Firestorm. Well, there you go. But we'll be talking about our personal connections to Firestorm in the second half of the show. So you'll hear this again. Uh, yes, but uh, for now, we're going to discuss the actual issue. I'll give you some context. Firestorm history at this point. Okay, if you don't know Firestorm from Adam, pun not intended, but the... <laughs> If you don't, if you don't know Firestorm, he is actually two people. He started out as two people: Ronnie Raymond and Martin Stein. Ronnie is a high school jock, yeah, student, and Martin Stein is a physics professor. Yeah, there's a big accident at a nuclear power plant. They get fused together into this being with fiery hair and the power to change atomic structures. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so it's really Ronnie driving the the body. And, and Mr. Stein, or Professor Stein, is in his head. Right. So he's like a floating head yeah, he's giving him advice. Kind of a co-pilot, I'm guessing. Right. And he's going, no, Ronnie, don't do that. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. <laughs> That's Firestorm for a good while. There's like a series in the 70s, got cut short because of the DC implosion. Okay. And then there was a series in the 80s where I got on board. And this is that same series. We're in 88. Now, there's something's happened to the... Firestorm Matrix. Okay, so there is a Firestorm Matrix thing going on. Right. The, whatever the, the, the Firestorm combination of people that fuse together, that's changed. Okay. And it's currently still Ronnie, but now he's fusing with a former Rocket Red called who was called Pozar, uh, but his real name is uh, Mikhail Arkadin. Right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. So they fuse together and become Firestorm. So he's a Russian and he's Ronnie's an American. And so they they become energy, and then they meet somewhere in the middle okay. and become Firestorm. Firestorm. But neither of them is piloting Firestorm. Firestorm is like this blank slate at this point. Okay. Both of them are talking heads. 
trying to advise this this firestorm who has no memory of really who he is or how to behave. Okay, that, we'll, that explains a lot. Yeah, we'll come to find out that it's like the body is Martin Stein. Okay, that's what I figured. But Martin Stein has lost his memories, uh, so he's, he, he could be anyone. Really, it's not Martin Stein. There's no personality there, but I guess okay. the basics of the personality would be Stein. Okay. That this is where we are in the, the Firestorm history. An odd place. It's a it's a weird place, and I mean, I don't know if invasion. It probably wasn't planned that way, but you know, invasion just fell smack dab in the middle of this thing. You, you've got no choice. You've got to participate in invasion. Invasion. Yeah. Uh, you've got to have an invasion first strike extra. And, and at this point, I'm thinking Firestorm is at probably his uh, most powerful because he was like a very powerful superhero for a long time. Because he can manipulate basically any inorganic matter. Inorganic, right? yeah. So, I mean, he can manipulate air to become lead, right? So he can make a big ball of lead out of nothing and just... This is what you would do with those powers. This is what I would do. <laughs> make lead balls. Big lead balls. And if I was even oddly creative, probably some big things like in Roadrunner and, you know, these... It's anvils. Mm. I'd, I'd do anvils. Well, uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, no. I never said I'd be a I don't think superhero. he is at his peak. No, not yet? Well, in that kind of power, maybe it's... But he would later become Earth's fire elemental. So I think that would be his peak power. Even though the powers maybe yeah. are different. Yeah, yeah. Like a fire elemental, like, like Swamp King's the... the Swamp like King's plant. the Earth elemental. The Earth elemental. And then you had Firestorm was the fire elemental. Okay. And Red Tornado became the air elemental. Okay. And uh, the water elemental was a character called Nyad. Okay. Uh, who showed up in so we had or whatever. four elementals. I didn't read comics at this. Oh, I think Captain Captain Adam was the quantum elemental. Well, I can see that. So there was like an elemental phase okay. where every, we needed elementals for everything. Did they join together to become Captain Planet? Captain Planet, he's a hero. Gonna take pollution down to zero. He's a no, but Swamp Thing did have an arc where he had to, where these guys weren't. Involved, they weren't uh, elementals anymore. Okay. But he had to save the earth by basically showing he could be a champion of every element. Okay. And so he was, he became like he, you know, he's got the parliament of trees, but then he's got to go and talk to the melt where it's rocks. So he became an elemental for everything. Like, you know, at the time. So like, he became like the ultimate elemental? Ultimate, ultimate elemental. He became nature? He became earth. A representative okay. of Earth, and then he meets like a parliament of planets, which has elementals from each planet in the solar system. Oh. It kind of ends like that. It's like, it was pretty cool. Wow. But totally besides the point. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the end game for the Saga of Swamp Thing. But Firestorm. And at this point, we, we'll see he's uh, teaming up with uh, Firehawk, who yeah. was another atomic character. W- wasn't she the girl who becomes Firehawk? Didn't she like join with uh, Ronnie to become Firestorm at some point or maybe, am I I think that's New 52 okay, stuff maybe. Maybe. maybe I know Lorraine's in there somewhere and she becomes like a Firestorm yeah uh, but at this point uh, there was a moment where there was a villain who was creating other atomic okay. people to, to counter uh, right and Firestorm. Lorraine Riley was the, a senator's daughter who was kidnapped and then had to go through some experiments and then she became it's like a different power set but still atomic so she okay. throws atomic fire around she's more of the the heat element okay cool of of nuclear power and um so she became firestorm's girlfriend for okay. a little while there's like some tension because she was in her 20s and he was a high school senior but 
You know, when she found out he was actually a kid oh. with an old man component. Yeah, that's... Look, watching them kiss or whatever. <laughs> that's, that's kind of weird. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure the, their relationship went anywhere. I kind of <laughs> quit the book before when they were kind of discussing it. And she's changed costumes since then. And from what we get from the, the like the recaps in this book, she's been wounded in battle yeah. recently. And so she's afraid her powers aren't working well. That she, okay. you know... She's she will heed the call, but she's got severe doubts about her abilities. And we have other heroes in here. Yeah, uh, well, later on, on on the cover, we actually see we do see Power Girl in Power there. Girl, yeah, this is pre cleavage window. This is the yeah. actual cleavage uh, suit. That's the original suit. Yeah, and so she's in there, and we've also got the new Starman will be in there, and kind of easy company. Sergeant yeah. Rock and Easy Company are kind of in there. Kind of. Here's a, a short synopsis. And it won't be as long as the last time we did this. No, it's pretty short. Uh, in the Pacific Theater, this is where the, this is one of the parts of the world that's uh, under attack. In the Pacific Theater, Easy Company is fighting the Kuns and having much difficulty with weapons they know nothing about. In Moscow, Mikhail Arkadin, currently half or maybe a third of the Firestorm the Nuclear Man, prepares to give a university lecture as the leading authority on Chernobyl. In New York, Ronnie Raymond, the other part of Firestorm, gets a call from an unknown government agent who knows who he is and orders him to fuse with Mikhail and head over to the Pacific to fight the invasion and to bring Firehawk with him. Elsewhere in New York, Karen Starr, a.k.a. Power Girl, gets out of a meeting and opts to fly to Cuba to fight the alien menace herself, when she sees Firestorm and Firehawk and joins them instead. On their way in the American Midwest, they intercept a strange spacecraft, which is empty except for Will Payton, the new Starman, who's obviously been in a fight but doesn't really remember what happened. They team up and fly the spaceship to the Pacific Theater. There, the Kuns are torturing Adam Strange. We remember from uh, uh, Invasion Number 1. Yeah. Uh, when they note the ship and try to hail it. No answer, so they blow it from the sky right above Easy Company's heads to be continued in Starman number 5. We will be reading Starman. We, yes, we will five. be reading Starman number 5 uh, eventually. But at the same time, it seems to happen concurrently with this book. Yeah. Because there are parts of it that we're just going to find out what happened to Starman in that book, so it kind of reads weird where we're missing pieces of the puzzle for yeah. now. Yeah, and, and this battle over here is like compared to the last episode this this is a bit in the future i'm thinking because we know what happened in another book because i don't know how they're going to do flashbacks or i don't know how this works but for some odd reason this feels like a bit further in in the invasion well at the same time the president hasn't called on superheroes we're supposed to be idling and waiting for max lord and reagan okay uh, to actually call on the superheroes to do things. But then Firestorm gets a call from a strange agent who tells him, you head right to... The, the Justice League isn't heading to the Pacific Theater. It's like, we're calling specific heroes to go out and help out. And we don't know who this guy is. I thought he was Max Lord at I, first. I, that's what I thought also. He's not. So Do we know who he is? Uh, I don't know who he is. I don't I, know either. I tried to do some research. as like an unknown government agent. So probably it's revealed much later, I suppose, but... For now, we don't know. And Ronnie doesn't know. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's actually a point of interest. He, the, we, we, they kind of pummel that point in. We yeah. don't know who it was. So they're sort of sending heroes to be like, um, like, let's go test the waters. Yeah. But eventually, in the evasion book itself, all the heroes will have to come together to fight the threat. So right now, it's like they're, they're treating it as little, different little invasions that yeah. superheroes can 
you know, basically take care of by themselves or with a few friends. Yeah, because uh, they made that point in the Daily Planet special that, you know, it's not the first time we've seen uh, right. aliens and this is not the first time we tried to be invaded and superheroes always took care of it. So probably they're thinking at this point it's much of the same. And, I mean, the people that are in the Justice League are probably being told, wait, but a lot of heroes aren't in the Justice League. There aren't in any... Like, we see Power Girl in here just going, well, finally this meeting is over. She runs a software company at this point. Yeah. Uh, and they're actually trying to make... I don't know if it's a game or... It, it sounds like a video game, like an invader video Right, game. let's just make the, the video game uh, uh, villains the Kuns. Yeah, because they... The Kins. The Kuns. <laughs> they're, they're not sure how to spell it either. Yeah, they talk about beta testing and stuff like that. It's very techie and, you know, it's kind of fun to see... Karen Starr in a you know CEO type position, but after she comes out of the meeting, she goes, "Well, let's go to Cuba." Yeah, and then she winds up going elsewhere. But you know, she's just she's a free agent. Yeah. So a lot of these heroes are going to go into action whether the government wants them to or not. Yeah, and I'm thinking if they were sent, somebody called them up, like Firestorm called them up, said, "Hey, get to somewhere." They're not sending really like low-powered superheroes or you know Firestorm. He's he's pretty tough. Even if he's a little bit damaged yeah. uh, at this point. But still, he's 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 not like a second stringer. No, he's... no, no. And neither is Power Girl and, or Firehawk. And <clears throat> exactly. I, and I think it's interesting because you, you've got Power Girl and Firehawk meet for the first time. Mm -hmm. And Power Girl is stoked because it's like Power Girl power. Where, yeah. oh, another powerful female hero, another powerful heroine. Actually, that's exactly what she said. You know, she's... <laughs> Finally, another... <laughs> strong female I'm not teaming up with Black Canary no way no how <laughs> <laughs> although the fishnets oh, they yeah. seem kind of but she's a tough player but it's like Power Girl is, is looking to yeah. team up with yeah, really, people on her level of, yeah. or power level and Firehawk would be that yes I, I, totally I mean she's in a group that is totally on par with um, she used to be the Supergirl of Earth too. yes that's, exactly that's the power level here so uh, so it's interesting, it's like the, the sort of girl power thing, and at the same time, uh, Firestorm is like a spaced out, because <laughs> he, he talks himself, because he's talking to the two talking heads, talking yeah. to Ronnie and Mikhail, these Looney Tunes, and you need Firehawk there just to interpret, yeah, there's something going on with him. Because <laughs> she knows, she knows Firehawk, she knows what's going on, and she knows that he's not talking to himself, he's talking to other people in his head so I mean he's he's kind of loony yeah, yeah. He's, oh yeah and he's, he's making moves on them and oh it, it gets really like the talking heads have to, to warn him away from no don't 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 say that don't no, don't don't try to don't, kiss don't try people. to kiss power girl what are you doing <laughs> it's kind of fun to see that though because um, what would be Ronnie's justification of being there or being an advisor to Firestorm if it wasn't for something that's like that, you know, because Ronnie was a jock, probably a popular kid. And, I mean, when Ronnie was in charge and driving Firestorm, he probably needed, like, the smarter, wiser old guy who knows the stuff, you know, to, to advise him. But what does an older, smart guy need advisement for? You don't know, so you make him really, really awkward, and Ronnie's like the social guy, you know. Right, and you, that Firestorm, that, that, like, blank slate Firestorm, is kind of jealous of Starman when he shows up. When Will Payton shows up, he's got a, you know, he's a sympathetic guide. He's got an easy way with the girls. Yeah. Not to say he's cruising or anything. It's not, no, he's there's just, no flirting. It's just, you know, he knows what to say. Yeah, well, it just in any social, I guess. Yeah. It's like, well, I wish I was like that. You know, and the talking heads are going, well, we're like that. <laughs> we're just not in control. <laughs> 
so they don't get to fight the invaders. No, not in this yet. issue. They obviously the ship, the spaceship is obviously an alien spaceship. Yes, it is because the Kuns hail it and they think it's one of their own at first. And so we'll learn what happened in the Starman issue, which has elements that happened before. I mean, how yeah. did Starman show up there? Why doesn't he remember what happened? Why is he also beat up? His suit is in tatters. Yeah, yeah, he is. Like he had a battle. He was he was in it. But uh, yeah, we don't see superheroes fighting Kuns anywhere. No. It's like getting there. It's, the issue yeah. is about getting there. It's basically the team up. Right. The only people that are fighting the aliens are actually that easy company, or actually there are many companies. There's a Bravo company, a Charlie company. Yeah. And, but they all get decimated, and only easy company is left at the end. Not easy company, if you don't know, was the name of the uh, the Sergeant Rock's company. Yeah. In the, the Robert Kenninger, Joe Kubert war comics. And it's very much a homage, a tribute to that, Kind of those kinds of comics, yeah. Where everybody's got a nickname, like an odd nickname. Yeah, and it, they actually they actually say that somewhere in the comic book, where you know why? Why we, why we need nicknames? Why do you always call us by nicknames? And the other guy, the older guy, because you know he, they have this older. It's not a sergeant. They only call uh, him sir. Yeah, I think uh, he is a sergeant. Is he? Yeah, I think so because he's a sergeant with a white beard. So he's much older than the others. Who is this older sergeant? And they never say it, but they do make references to yeah. being like a rock. Exactly. He's, he's a rock. He's our rock. Yeah. So, so mm, Sergeant kind of Rock a, in 88, Sergeant Rock is an older man. You know, it's, yeah. it's the same Sergeant Rock, and he's used to giving people nicknames. Uh, and actually, the there is an answer to that. Why, why do we all need these nicknames? There is in Sergeant Rock, Between Hell and a Hard Place, which was a graphic novel by Hubert and um, Arizello. They actually, there's the same kind of conversation. Okay. And Sergeant Rock explains the reason he does this is to disassociate his men with the atrocities of battle. So it's like if somebody dies horribly, if you get like a silly nickname, then disconnects you from the yeah. fact that you're actually seeing atrocities, yeah. perpetrating atrocities. It's that alter ego is doing yeah. it. You're not seeing Robert whatever. You're seeing tall guy yeah. getting, the, getting the, blown up. You know, the uh, ice cream warrior. They've got yeah. the ice cream soldier. I'm sorry. They've yeah. all got the, those kinds of names and it sort of strangely dehumanizes them but humanizes them. So yeah, in here he's giving everybody nicknames, but when you see the other companies, people have real names. Okay. You can and go over there, but when you know you're an easy company when they're being called tall guy or yeah. <laughs> short round and tall round and uh, whatever it is. But they're the ones, so we're seeing the human face. Yeah. It's humanity fighting these aliens and then the, the superheroes, well actually it's like kind of a, a strange uh, anticlimax because when the superheroes arrive their ship blows up and it seems like oh here's here's our help here's our superpowered yeah. help finally boom. reinforcements and boom but we get a glimpse of hope because E Company actually they blow up one of the Kuns they hurt one and everybody got hurting <laughs> one is well you know it's a big victory a when everybody gets you know mowed down and all of a sudden these four guys or three guys they finally get to knock one down so I mean that was like a small victory but it's not big it makes sense that Easy Company with that actual soul they're using Easy Company because they're DC characters or a DC concept but seeing real soldiers in the war mm -hmm. much more than we do superheroes is part of that one foot in the real world. Yeah. We had that last time with Checkmate. We had that 
two episodes ago with the Daily Planet, making it seem like this is really happening yeah. uh, in our world. And Firestorm, even though it's Bob Greenberger writing here instead of John Ostrander, uh, the Firestorm book was, at this point, very real politic kind of thing. They had the whole Russian Cold War stuff. Okay. Uh, and John Ostrander puts a lot of politics and international elements in his works, the Suicide Squad being you know, the best example, perhaps. But Firestorm was a lot like that as well. The world of the comic, even though it's not the same writer, still obeys those kinds of rules. And there were elements in here, like, for example, Mikhail is surprised to hear about the invasion when he joins up with Firestorm. And he always, he couldn't believe it, except that he's linked telepathically with Ronnie, or else he wouldn't believe it, because the Russians haven't told their people. Exactly, yeah, we, they talked about that in the Daily Planet special. You know, the Russians aren't allowed to know, yeah. so no free media, no telling people, they won't be panicking. The, the, the newspaper told us they'd be evacuating cities, and yeah. but this hasn't happened yet from their point of view. So you got stuff like that. Speaking of media... This is CNN. I also noticed that CNN has far less information than the Daily Planet does, <laughs> because they're talking about at least six races. Well, if you'd read the Daily Planet, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'd seen, you would have seen every the, all nine races. That's true. That's true. Because <laughs> CNN is off by what three? Yeah. Two? And then there's isn't there a newspaper headline in here? Uh, I want you to see it. Oh, here it is. The newspaper headline that Ronnie is looking at: Alien Invasion, Pounding Aussies. Wow, who I, I read Pounding Pussies. I mean, it's. I was like, what is this rude? What the. <laughs> Who, who wrote this? Who wrote this? <laughs> this kind of rude <laughs> headline. But pounding Aussies isn't very nice either. It's it, not. 80% of the population has died. Anyway, invasion pounding Aussies no, that's not, is inappropriate. It's not It's not appropriate. I don't know what this newspaper is. I guess the New York Times. I don't know. He we lives in know. New York at this point. It's an extra. Yeah, probably extra, New York. Mm, we don't know. I don't know, but uh, it's terrible. We do see also uh, different size kuns. Yeah, yeah. These guys, uh, I guess, a bit of uh, different armor, but I don't yeah. know, maybe... Well, there's like a Supreme Kund, or... I've seen this in, like, the Legion of Superheroes has showed a lot of Kunds over the years, and okay. they do have, like, big bruisers and then smaller ones. So you, I think there's probably a pecking order which is based on size. Or did you think it was just, like, bad art? Initially, I thought it was bad art. I thought maybe they're not all clear on what the Kuns should look like. But uh, these guys are taller. They look leaner. The, the, the Kuns I uh, I saw before, they were like stockier, massive, you know. Yeah. Uh, like little, they weren't little. They were they were like tanks, but like humanoid tanks, you know. They're, they're, these could be just guys in armor with, you know, with mustaches. They look taller and leaner. A, a bit less scary, I don't know. But let's talk about the art. Let's, let us let us talk about the Grindberg well yeah De La Rosa art I thought because I thought it, we talked about it before the podcast and I don't think you were convinced <laughs> I, thing is coming into you know discovering these comic books there's a lot of stuff that just goes you know I, I let a lot of stuff slide because I'm thinking you know this is pre Photoshop times this is pre Techno Color or whatever it's everything is done by hand. Okay. So I'm I'm thinking off the bat, you know, I'm I'm gonna forgive a lot of stuff, but I, well, I know who was inking and who was penciling, but I, I don't know whose fault it is. It, sometimes it looks like they just dump ink all over the place, 
and they have these these insane over what do you call these things over uh, the network will call it serpents <laughs> serpents yeah it's when the when you obviously there's like sometimes called a color hold okay so it's when I guess the way it works is that you draw something on a separate piece of paper and then like who's who right and the who's okay, who yeah. you all the backgrounds you got the main figure and the backgrounds are in like a one color yeah it's the same thing that same process is used well everywhere to create special effects like on the first page you're, you're seeing rockets and lasers and but th that's in in a color hold it's not very accurate because we have like this serpents going all over like the the lettering and i don't know what's going on with these these things they're, they're like things coming in and out and sometimes it's very confusing it's they're like the shot of firehawk leaving your apartment yeah well they're they're distracting that's what there's a blue color hold yeah and there's a lot of that purplish color hold but it's like the blue color hold where we see lines that show that she's left through her window. Yes. Right, there it is. And we'll, we'll put this on the um, on the website. I like to call this thing, like, Spider-Manning. You know when you see how Spider-Man moves, and we have all these, like, faded Spider-Men, and then you see where, right. he, okay. where he starts and where he ends? We had that in Checkmate last time. Yeah, yeah. We saw the knight. Yeah. It, it, it shows you how, what the acrobatics are. Yeah, right. exactly. And they do that a lot with, like, Spider-Man because he's acrobatic and Nightwing because he's right. acrobatic. That's what they do with And him. with Firehawk, she becomes Firehawk. She turns into Firehawk in her apartment. She leaves through the window. And there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of you know, a lot of drawings already. Because yeah. we've got, like, uh, well, I don't know, the side of the bed and there's, yeah. like, a shelf. And I get... She, Maybe she disturbed a potted plant because the potted plant's in the air. Yeah. And then there's a window and there's a building, you know, on outside. the other side of the window. Yeah. And her, her outside. And all those lines streaming from where we have to show her movement. Speed lines, movement lines, and then serpent. And then there's a serpent of her in a middle... The only clear thing you see is like a, a piece of leg and a foot. This is the only clear thing you see. The rest is all like, I don't know, it's all bunchy and... Yeah, it's like Serpent on top of already busy art. Yeah. So you can't really read what's going on. And this happens a lot. A lot. Too much, really. It, it's enough. Uh, it, that okay, and... the talking heads. Like the like Firestorm's talking heads are in Serpent. I get, yeah. I get that. They're supposed to be ghostly. But when I... it covers up the action... Oh, man. I mean, and, and was there like a sale on Serpent? What? <laughs> there was like two for one? Two or for something? one on Serpents. It's everywhere. Everywhere. And, and sometimes it kind of gets confusing. So I, it's I, like, like the TV. You can see the TV is yeah. like a Serpent. It's like too many special effects. Yeah, and on the TVs, it looks good, actually. You say, yeah, that could be on the TV. It could, you know, it, it's not distracting. It's not, but oh, everywhere. But it's everywhere. not necessary either. No, and, and, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of ink. Uh, there's a lot of hair. There's a lot, of, a lot of inky hair, and there's a lot of over rendering, over lining in weird places like this. Like uh, Lorraine, yeah. Lorraine's on the phone at one point, and we can see her mouth. You know, and she she's like in a profile pose, and then there are like shadows on her face that look like she's I don't know what's going on. Bruised. She looks almost. yeah. No, uh, very often they've got these dark splotches on their faces like there's like sha like heavy shadows yeah to and, and the faces are kind of longish and you're right the hair is out of control on every character hair is not fabulous this is mullet city for everyone everybody <laughs> practically yeah it is and, and they all kind of look the same the women can look mannish because they've got similar yeah uh, crevicey faces like the men do this is Grimberg's usual stuff is it I 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it's probably one of the reasons I I didn't pick up Firestorm a lot during these this period. It's it's distracting. The art can't be distracting. It has to, you know, it has to have a style or you know a feel to it, but it can't be distracting. Well, today I like it more. Like I recognize its its problems, like the way people are moved around the panel all the time. It's you know, it's whoever needs to be in the panel is in the panel, and I guess everybody's milling around somehow. I don't know, but it's just constant yeah, movement. It's too busy. I agree. It's too busy. It's confusing even. But <laughs> I I can't wait to hear the but. But this makes me, this reminds me of Frank Robbins. Okay. Frank Robbins used to draw invade uh, the invaders. It's like a connection, but it's okay. the invaders with the, like the golden age stories of Captain America and yeah. uh, all the Toro and, Toro and, and all that Torchson, from the seventies. Yeah, Namor. Yeah, and uh, he also did like a, a fairly important Batman run in the seventies. Okay. And he draws. There, there is an element of over-rendering of people being contorted. When I first saw it back in the day, I hated it, and I only now am starting to like it. Okay. Only now. In the same way that I do like Jack Kirby's 70s work, 80s work, it becomes so stylized that there's... I mean, it's terrible of me to praise this kind of work and then <laughs> bash Liefeld. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. in the same breath as I'm doing now, but... <laughs> but the idea that sometimes style creates an energy, uh, a dynamic that wouldn't be there otherwise, that at some point is, isn't is as important as the fact that maybe the characters are off-model. or I mean, the the anatomy isn't too terrible. It's not too terrible. I think the pose, not... like the, the way people are posed, looks natural and varied. Like, this is a person that can draw. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is, Proportions is, are good. Yeah. And, is know. the style... Uh, appropriate to superhero stories, maybe I, not. I don't know. Really, it, it's. I think it's closer to probably noir or horror, maybe or suspense or I don't know. Like there's but, an, an illustrative quality to it. Yeah. But there's also, I mean, it's it's over rendered. So it's, you, it's over rendered, and and sometimes on purpose. For some odd reason, I had a problem with Mikhail. Mikhail okay. Arganin. Right. Uh, he's a professor at a university. He has a class of like fifteen thousand people. That's <laughs> yeah, a lot of auditorium. Size. I mean, it's a, it's huge, and I mean, it's unreal. It's this could have been smaller. I mean, the, it, there are all these little choices that could have been made. That you know, you make this class a bit smaller. It's a bit closer to real well, I life. Do, I do like when he walks into the, the room. Well, actually, there seems to be two different sizes to the room because yeah, here is just people surrounding him. But from the back, there's really you know, he's on a hockey rink. But yeah. <laughs> So things change based on the on the energy of the moment or and whatever. So there, there's no real consistency. Yeah. Every time I I see a scene, I don't know where we're looking it from at it from. I don't know what the camera angle is really. I don't know. This it's it's very stylized, but it's very confusing. Yeah. Me. But it does that even uh, an innocuous panel like Ronnie eating cookies? Okay. Yeah. On the one <laughs> panel. His hair is behind his, um, what is it, his right ear. Yeah. And it's uh, flowing over his face on his left side. Yeah. Next panel, the opposite. Like, he's mirrored all of a sudden. So, there's a lot of that kind of thing. Yeah, it's inconsistent. And for comic books, I mean, it's not a, it's not, they're not pictures, they're drawings. So, you can easily confuse, you know, characters and, so I'm just saying. It's, yeah. it's a bit And I don't think it works with the coloring, uh, because, like, like, the long hair yeah. is very, very sketchy. Yeah, and then the colorist has to put color on there, 
And so the color goes over the lines. And yeah. It's, it's, it's all over the place because there's no definite, there's not a clean line where the hair begins and stops and it really... It just flows. I mean, Ronnie has... Ronnie's in a hair band at this point. <laughs> yeah, he has a lot of hair. Did he Did he always have like this mullet no. style? No, definitely not. So, well, well, even that, I mean, the hairstyle on top panels are not the same as the hairstyles on the lower panels. No. Sometimes I mean, it's uh, long hair. Sometimes it's got, he's got big sideburns. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's... Uh, well, you know what I thought when I saw Ronnie first time? I wasn't sure if it was Ronnie or if it was Dave Mustaine. The singer from, <laughs> the singer from Megadeth. I was like, oh my god, he's he's doing he's metal. He's probably got. A, he's probably a Megadeth fan. Probably is. A deadly strike. The threat is real. It's uncanny. But yeah, the characters are ugly, and that's something that doesn't play well with uh, superheroes. Yeah, I don't think. Other thing. Uh, okay, Karen Starr, sure. lover. Love her. She's the boss of a software company, video games. Love it. Everything. I love it. Uh, and she pulls off a great Clark Kent. She has like these square... She's basically uh, Felicity Smoke from the TV show. Basically. She has, <laughs> this, she has, that's the look. She Yeah, she has a ponytail with a little bow in it. She's kind of dainty. And she has these glasses. And then she transforms into Power Girl. Well, this transformation... <laughs> Well, at this point, the Power Girl had like a magical component. Yeah, because they they, think, they they changed her origin, right? After, oh, it was after Crisis, they changed her origin. They made her the granddaughter of Arion, Lord the, of Atlantis. Lord of Atlantis. So it was kind of weird, and we have like these these Kirby bubbles coming out of her, mm-hmm. and like her face is basically ink. Her hair goes all over the place. I liked her better with the ponytail, yeah. honestly. Well, here she's got hair like she doesn't like she shaves the sides of her head. Yeah, in I, that one shot. I know. That's it. It's it's like very loose. Like the penciling is very very loose. Very loose. And in a comic where people have hair on fire, the two characters have fiery hair. Yeah. And basically the physics of normal hair is the same as the physics of fire hair. Yeah, we we assume well, it, that's what it looks like. I mean, on the page. Yeah. I mean, the like the it's it's so wild. The, the the hair is so wild, even when it's hair, that there's no real difference between fire and hair. No, exactly. And there should be. There should be. Our fiery and, characters should be different. And when you're going at high speed in one direction, the hair is dragged back. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go forward, <laughs> like it does on Firestorm all the time. I know it's magical superhero hair. And I understand suspension of disbelief, but this is too much for me. This is just too much. I do like how dynamic it is. It's very how dynamic. Everybody's moving all the time. Everything's moving. The you know the the panel structures are all different. It's a jumble, but I think it's an exci- it can be an exciting jumble. I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> so I, you know, there's something there. There is. There is. I'm playing bad cop because I it, I found it distracting. Uh, little things like I like when characters go out of the panel and they move into the gutters, but not on every panel of yeah. every yeah, shot. Everybody, and every page. everybody goes. Every, I mean, there's like a 3D effect. Everybody's getting yeah. out of the comic. I mean, I, I like to see like. But Power are Girls. they like our superheroes are breaking the panel borders? But look, that right the next page, the human soldiers aren't. Well, They're yeah. trapped. In, so is there kind of a style or? a something constant over here Do, are we are we looking at something that could be when we're when we're with humans did we don't break the the walls 
It kind of looks something like that. Yeah, even in panels where there's just like humans yeah. talking in a conference room. The humans are all cut up, but Power, Power Girl, Girl can sort of come out of the like her elbow will come out of the oh panel. My. Did but, we? Did we just? Did I? Same thing for Firehawk. A couple places when I think that's what happens. The superheroes can go outside the panels, but the normal humans, uh, one might be. Uh, yeah. No, it's not. It's not actually consistent. No, it's not. It's but not. There, there's a feeling that it is. But I think when we're in superhero action, then Greenberg goes, you goes know, everywhere. Yeah, it was everywhere with it. Panels are just for understanding where you should read, basically, which is fine. And the humans are a little more trapped, yeah. as they are in the story, where the situation is out of their control. You know what? Yeah, I can I can see this now. It, it, there's there's something to it. It's busy. It's inconsistent. It's all over the place. But you know what? It is dynamic. I cannot say it's not dynamic. It's even to my to my liking, it's almost over dynamic. <laughs> but that might be like you know no, how? Yeah, no. It's somebody I hate is late era Carmine Infantino. Okay. I just don't connect with that work. It's too stylized. Look at this. It it's very dynamic. It's it's got some of the same dynamics as he had in the old days with, when he was drawing the Flash originally. Okay. But he's polished it to a point where it's extreme. Okay. And where I don't I don't like it. I just I, yeah, I think the characters look ugly. They all look the same. But the same could be said of Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby started out with a lot of inkers on him, softening his style. But yeah. by the 70s, everything was like, uh, you know, fingers all splayed. <laughs> square fingers all splayed. And everything was extreme. Extreme yeah. for that time. And again, I, I know it's ironic that you know, I kind of like that. But I, I don't like like the image artists. Yeah, but a lot of the image artists—they're no Jack Kirby's. <laughs> no, no, no <laughs> Let, let's exactly. they're, they're no Carmine Infantino's either. But when you push your style, and yeah. a lot of these older artists eventually push their style, like uh, Gil Kane, you know, okay. push the style to the point where this cannot be anyone but that person. Yeah. Sometimes I like it, and sometimes they pushed it to a place that I don't like it. Yeah. But there's always a lot of energy, and they always yeah. know. You know how to construct their like panel structures in the storytelling. Like Greinberg isn't on that level. It is confusing. It is. It is kind of confusing. But I think it's got that energy. And I think maybe in a wartime superhero wartime comic, it it probably has its place. It's just that you know at some points it's kind of distracting for me. But I do understand the energy, and I do get it. I do get it. It's not all bad. I mean, I'm not doing comics. I don't, <laughs> I'm not doing it. It's not like I can. You know, say, hey, that's awful. He's but yeah, stupid. I mean, no. when we meet Starman, he's soon a 50-year-old obese man. Or, or yeah, or a 60-year-old obese woman. I'm not Maybe. really sure because mullet's all over the place. And gray hair. Yeah, his hair kind of turns to gray. Yeah. So, yeah. But on their way on their way to getting the starfighter, I don't know. Whatever the, the spaceship the is. The spaceship thing. I mean, Power Girl gets a haircut on the way <laughs> for some odd reason. Her hair just changes but I yeah mean, it gets shorter then it gets bouffant i know it's all over the place but i think the art is one thing you know and some of it is really really pretty actually some of it is is very nice to look at and it's just not all the thing that's really overly done it's all the the serpents and how it's everywhere and that is really a uh, distracting point. yeah those special effects are annoying they are they are because they're basically serpents Serpents have to be like a certain color, so they're drawn like pink, <laughs> like bl pink blotches, blue blotches, purple blotches. I don't think they can be overly intricate 
also like they, they can't have too much it has to be clean to be nice looking like in the who's who's they're very clean you know you, you see a character and the color and everything and then the background it's very clean you know what's going on uh, here there are a lot of blotches you know like in one of serpents we have like flash but he's all crooked and weirdly and i don't know what he's he's fighting a durlin i guess fine. it's a durlin from yeah. cuba yeah and we don't really know what's going on up top i mean who's that that's, uh, that would be soyuz the um the russian the russian team because that, that's one of the plot elements where yeah. uh, the talking heads and firestorm <laughs> agree that yeah. uh after they are done here They've got to go to Russia because there's there's also an attack on Soviet soil. Yeah. So that's Mikhail's country, and he said, "Well, we got to go take care of business on on my end as well." And you can see the like the Firestorm character, sort of a mediator, the, the actual Firestorm. Yeah. If he's Martin Stein or whoever, mediates between the two personalities and says, "Well, agree." He's the one that says, "Agreed." Yeah. So we're know? going to help here, and then we're going. We're hauling ass to to Russia, and we're helping out the Russians. So we can guess where further installments will go and and this scene with the kunz we have a scene with the kunz and and this is very clean although at this point i thought it was just bad art i don't know you're you're telling me this is normal kund activity mm. <laughs> uh, it's not the best kunz i've ever seen but uh, <laughs> but kunz having different sizes that's just from previous comics okay that's fine okay now to say that they've got you know nice kund armor no no that they look like good kunz no But they do look uh, rugged and cruel. So they have... Uh, who is it? It's Adam, Adam Strange. Strange. Adam Strange is locked up. He's probably been tortured a lot. And this huge kun just grabs his head. And, I, I mean, Adam Strange, he's a fairly sized guy. Well, he, it looks like he's picking up... Like the kun is picking up a toddler. I mean, the hand is huge and Because of Greenberg's... The, the ugliness of his characters makes it seem like Adam Strange has been really abused. Yeah. Because he's supposed to be a handsome character. And here, all these dark crags in his face, so he, it's the art, but it makes us believe that perhaps he's been... Yeah, I thought that was like blood coming down. Yeah, you know, well, like there, yeah. Drippy things. There's something and... dripping. And it's dripping on top of the, the Quinn's helmet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's gruesome. But then our heroes, they do a lot of uh, bonding. I guess so. The, the, inside the, the spaceship is kind of funny because we have... This is where we get to know the characters a little bit better. Uh, we get to see the Firestorm, who's really awkward with the ladies. But with everybody, actually. Not just with the ladies. He, he doesn't get people, it seems. We see a little bit more of... We have really awkward moments where Power Girl just says, just on the top of her head, Yeah, you know, I, I don't have any parents because I'm an orphan and she kind of leaves it at that when you know somebody <laughs> says you know I want to call my family to tell them I'm okay and Starman says that because he was beat up and yeah and he's still he's, he's a young hero he's just he's just starting off he's just starting so he's got a family and he's you know he's like a spider-man though where he's thinking about yeah everyday life which is he's not of, a professional yet I mean if I if I was a superhero I'd probably do that I, I you know I'd your call mom would mom. want you to call yeah I, I, I'd call mom and say you know I, I'm going in I'm going to go fight the Kuns yeah. let's see I'm an orphan so I would just fly out of the uh, the meeting <laughs> the boardroom like Power Girl as I often have yeah, well yeah <laughs> but go do my thing she just says it like Almost half-assedly. Yeah, yeah, I'm an orphan. So, and, and it kind of there are weird things going How on. How else he going to tell people? 
Well, you just don't. You just Superman's don't. always going on about. Him. Batman's always going on about. Him. <laughs> yeah, and my parents are. And everybody knows who he is now because of that. And and you know, like Firestorm gets into Power Girl's bubble. You know that, that little comfort bubble where. Yeah. He's. Kind oh of, yeah, no, he's really up close. He's getting up close, like he's he's. Trying to well, massage her. Even if he is Martin Stein, we don't know this yet. We don't know who Firestorm is. No, exactly. He's just a blank slate body of Firestorm. He's got he's got Ronnie's penis. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, he does. Like Ronnie's like the, the, yeah, the yeah. adolescent the hormonal adolescent, even yeah. though he's you know, he's gone to college by this point. That's part of the Firestorm body. The blank slate's Martin Stein doesn't know how to handle that. No, I think the physics professor probably <laughs> ha- always had a problem with the ladies, and now he's he has the body of a jock, and he's a uh, you know he's a superhero, so probably a little bit of a entitlement sense there. He's and he doesn't now. remember who he was, so he's just acting on yeah, in- instinct, impulse. Instinct. I don't know, but when he's hugging her from the back, I don't know. Yeah, what just this- before she turns into Laura Dern, yeah. <laughs> Exactly, and he's and this is the creepy part. He looks like he's stroking her hair. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, no, that's what he's doing. I I don't want to give people unsolicited advice with his three fingered hand or whatever that, whatever's <laughs> going on. I don't want to give people unsolicited advice, but you know what? Stroking a, a lady's hair uninvited with, without her consent <laughs> or her asking, oh, yeah. "Could you stroke my hair?" You probably shouldn't do that. It's very... No, there's a, there's a big lesson about consent in here. And oh, the yes. talking heads are sure to tell them, don't mess with these ladies specifically. Yeah. But because, I mean, they she's, are two of the most powerful DC heroines. Yeah, she's a female and, Superman and she's a female Firestorm. And Power Girl is a feminist character. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She says, in, in no way, shape, or form would she allow a superhero to treat her like this. Oh, man. But he's so... He's simple-minded at this point, so... Yeah. And the girls are going, what's wrong with him? But they're not They're not angry at his behavior. No. And the talking heads, they give bad advice. <laughs> and, you know, you know, you know somebody's awkward when one of your talking heads, one of the head, one of the voices in you your know, heads... Yeah, your voices. Uh, he, he says, but whatever you do, comrade, I guess it's Mikhail saying <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. Whatever, whatever you do, comrade, I, I'll do it in Russian. But whatever you do, comrade, do not try to be funny. <laughs> don't be funny. Don't even crack a joke, Firestorm. It's not going to fly. But I think they know he's not very good at that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Jokes are, jokes are for... Jokes are hard. <laughs> <laughs> jokes are hard. We, as we well know. But once I got through the art, very straightforward. Superhero soap opera with some action. Yeah, and it comes... it's just getting used to who the characters are because they're all at different points in their lives. And, exactly. And they've been changed from their iconic selves. Yeah. So I think that this was kind of a check-in for a lot of superheroes, you know, going, yeah, this is what's going on with Firestorm. This is a new Starman. You don't really know him yet, but he's going to be in this. Pick up his book, please. Exactly. In fact, this continues into that book uh you know same thing with firehawk she's like a brand new thing so she well she's been actually at this point she's been around 45 in the 55 or 65 issues like okay. like five years but she's never been a big a headliner you know? okay yeah. yeah so she's always been a supporting character you know power girl didn't know her so why should we right right <laughs> you know it's a teaming up issue meet the characters because they don't actually get to do anything yeah by the time they get to the mission site yeah. They blow up, so it's to be continued already. The only person we actually see her power is uh, Power Girl, that we already know she's super strong, and she just rips open that... Uh, yeah, everybody else just flies around. Yeah. Firestorm fixes Starman's suit. Yeah, that's a kind of a, you know, we kind of know his powers also, but 
you know, we don't really see what Starman does. We we just know a little bit of what Firehawk does. So yeah, it's kind of a wetting your whistle type uh, issue. We'll take a small break. Small break. And then we'll uh, talk about Firestorm in general. Okay. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, Truth and justice in sea, on land, in air. Aquaman and Firestorm, they make a super pair. The Fire and Water Podcast. Celebrating Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas, and Firestorm, the Nuclear Man. Available at Fire and Water Podcast, Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, here to talk about Firestorm. Along with me is my co-host, Rob Kelly, here to talk about some guy that talks to fish. Really? You're going to pull this crap during the promo? It's bad enough I have to put up with your shenanigans every... We're back and we're talking about Firestorm. What's his connection to us personally? Okay, yeah. Do you have one? Is Firestorm an important character to you? You know what? This is how I discovered Firestorm. Okay. When I was smaller, I always enjoyed superheroes. And uh, uh, my dad has always been a Marvel head. He, he, he likes... He's Marvelite. Sure. He likes Marvel because uh, he likes Stan. Because he kind of looks like Stan Lee sometimes. Sounds like him. Slightly going off. You know, uh, <laughs> nodding off mid-sentence, uh, stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, he's not going to listen to this. He doesn't know how the internet works. Okay. Uh, so, anyways, uh, and and he liked a lot of, and I read a lot of Spider-Man stuff when I was little. But I always liked Superman. When I was smaller, I always liked Superman. I liked the cape. I liked pretending I could fly, stuff like that. Then I got into Flash, and I liked him because he was fast, and that's my ideal power. I could do anything with super speed. But I kind of fell off, when I was really little, I kind of fell off the DC thing, because it, it was a more mature type thing, and, you know, ultimate powers, you know, they're, they're all overpowered compared to Marvel uh, superheroes. Marvel's, Marvel was, like, good for teenage superheroes, yeah. connecting to the teenage angst. Exactly. Or problems, yeah. And, and then I started getting gifts, the superpowers uh, action figures. Oh. They were the first action figures I got for Christmas and my birthday. And they're still awesome. And they are. And one of my favorites was Firestorm. Oh, you got a Firestorm. I had a Firestorm. I had a Firestorm. So you squeeze his head and he, you would lift up his arms? Lift yeah. up his arms. And he had these bouffant... Yeah, the big sleeves. Sleeves, it's, yeah. It's an odd look. It but, is. But it works. But I mean... It's it works kinda, for him. Yeah. It works for him. I, I, I had a lot of them. I had uh, Superman, Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman. So you had all the ones I didn't. I had Plastic <laughs> Man. I had do Aquaman. Have, do you have any of them still? No, 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 no. Oh, damn it. No, no. I have all of mine. I still have all of mine. Really? And by all, I mean those few that I do have. No, my, my younger brother, who also likes comics and everything, he pretty much just destroyed them all. Yeah. Uh, but that's fine. They're toys. They're made to be played with, sure. right? So we love them. Yeah. So this is when I met Firestorm. I didn't know who he was. As an action figure. As an action you figure. You didn't see him on the, the later day Super Friends, like uh, whatever it was, Galactic Guardians or whatever Actually, yes. Yes, I did. Okay. I did back then. Where is, is the fiery hair didn't move. It was just like, just... Yeah, yeah. It was just like a <laughs> just artichoke. A, exactly. <laughs> a red artichoke. <laughs> so yeah, I met him there. Never really read the books. And uh, he he was one of the new 52s uh, that I tried to read because okay. uh, there was a little bit of praise for him. 
uh, at the start of the new 52. It yeah. was... I really liked the Dan Jurgens issues toward the end of that short run. Okay. Yeah. It had Dan Jurgens on it, and uh, that was a lot more like, okay, now, now, now it's classic superheroes kind of stuff, which yeah. DC wasn't doing enough. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I agree. And uh, then I I saw Firestorm again uh, in the Flash hmm. the, the stories on TV the the Flash show, and I kind of liked them. I think the next time we talk up a um, an issue of Firestorm, we'll get into the TV show okay cool. a lot more because the Flash and Firestorm have a deep connection on that show, mm-hmm. and I'm just not far enough into the Flash. I'm I'm really late on the Flash. I'm okay. like. I don't know, eight episodes into the first season okay. kind of thing. So I'm, I'm watching it now. So by the time we can talk about... I haven't seen Firestorm in live I'm, action except... I'm not going to spoil okay. anything, but if you see... Uh, I think the better Firestorm is in uh, Legends of Tomorrow. So but that's... Eventually I'll get to that. For me, Firestorm was a... I do think I probably bought a comic before I ever saw the, the Super Friends okay. episodes he was in. Although it's all a jumble. Um, my first issue of Firestorm was one where he turned into a war hyena. Hyena was a villain, a Firestorm villain, yeah. who bit him, and then he became a war hyena. That's what's on the cover. That was the first one I bought, and my cat ate it. But <laughs> <laughs> So I started reading Firestorm for a little while, like the second year okay. of Firestorm, which was, had some of the best stories where Firehawk is introduced and all that. By issue 24... I was, I don't know, too many one-off stories. Okay. Because it, it's interesting that you say your dad liked Marvel, and then you liked DC, but then you got through Firestorm through that interest, actually after leaving DC. Yeah. Because Firestorm was an attempt at doing a Marvel character in the DC universe. When Jerry yeah. Conway created him in the 70s, he was best known for, well, he's the guy that killed Gwen Stacy. Okay. He's the one that threw her off a bridge. You, Conway, when he came over to DC, they basically asked him to do a Marvel character. Uh, he, he'd been famous because of Spider-Man. Okay. So we need our own Spider-Man. So a teenage hero with normal problems. Got bitten by a radioactive no, middle-aged but... man. <laughs> <laughs> so he was kind of supposed to be that kind of everybody, okay. all the DC heroes were forever 29 yeah. kind of thing Superman Batman they're all adults living adult lives having yeah. jobs so this was like a teenage hero not a member of the Teen Titans who had to go out on his own and had real kind of okay. real problems he had his own bully he was a jock but had a bully who was a nerd anyway uh, that's it was, weird it was kind of a reverse he was Flash Thompson and his bully was Peter Parker Kind oh, of thing. that's kind of that's interesting actually I should read that <laughs> yeah the, the, I so should. the early issues that, that's what it was so I followed Ronnie along for a while and then kind of stopped because I don't know the one-off issues the one-off villains weren't very interesting to me so I quit reading it I wasn't really a big fan then you had this era of it that I didn't read okay with the Mikhail Arkadin stuff and then he becomes the fire elemental like I said yeah. so I started following it then okay mostly because I was a big fan of John Ostrander who was writing it and I was a big fan and then figured out oh this is John Ostrander too and uh, I was a big fan of Tom Mandrake who was drawing it and I followed it to issue 100 which was the the end of it and then Firestorm sort of fell off the map for a while because I mean he'd been taken so far off well he model yeah he became something else yeah he was something else someone else like Ronnie was running around in that book but he was like separate from Firestorm. Firestorm was that fire element was Martin Stein as a fire elemental, and he wasn't a composite being. So they took off the nuclear man from the cover. It was just Firestorm. Okay. He wasn't nuclear anymore, I guess. 
but you had all these characters, Lorraine and Ronnie, were all running around the series anyways as supporting cast members. So I was reading it then, and then I kind of lost sight of them. And like you, I read the New 52 version. I, I'd been reading the... They, they made him come back in the um, uh, Brightest Day or whatever just before. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. So there was an interesting... I mean, if the DC Universe had gone forward at that point, they set up a Firestorm series, and then they flush-pointed the whole damn thing. Yeah. So it all became moot. But the Firestorm thing was that he was kicking away... At the, by the end, uh, and I think it was... I guess he was the Jason Rausch version. Is that his name? Okay. So, yeah. and that, that, that's a character I, I, I saw in other series. Yeah, I Even if I didn't actually. read the Firestorm series at from that time I did see him in other places and you know I liked him fine and I yeah. thought he was like he was the book smart Firestorm yeah and Ronnie Ronnie was still in the book but more of a supporting character and yeah you know that worked for me and the Firestorm they rebooted he had died I guess and all the brightest day characters were reborn they made it so I think the arc was that he was ticking away like he was an atom bomb okay like he, he was gonna blow up one day if he didn't fix his problem or whatever. So he, he was living on borrowed time. Maybe he'd be a danger to others. That, that's sort of what they set up. Okay. And then Flashpoint. Yeah, and that, that kind of just... That just killed everything. So, <laughs> everything and it's, and it's too bad because the direction was okay in the uh, New 52, but I still think that would have been more interesting. Probably would have been. Probably would have been. We, we're not going to get into everything we think DC was going through because... <laughs> And you know it's midlife crisis, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. no. But, but Firestorm is a character that looks kind of goofy, but isn't. There are no characters like him. Yeah, like, people combine and become this third person. Exactly, it's something right out of like Japanese anime or something. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of weird for us right now, or it, it's always been weird for us. But what I really liked about him was how different his costume looked. He has like this goofy suit. With puffy sleeves yeah. and you know he's not skin tight, muscly, and and, and I kind of like that because it was it was just different enough for not just being the same body type with yeah. different lines it, on him. Yeah, it's not a normal costume with with a central piece or exactly. You know. It's not your typical superhero costume. No, it's not based off. You know what? Off of Superman. I think the first time I really met and got interested in Firestorm wasn't his own book. It was Justice League of America. Oh. Because he joined, he was like a junior member. You know, he's starstruck. He's around all these big heroes. Oh, yeah. Back in the day, satellite era. And he's got this talking head, very mysterious to me, that Martin Stein was in his head yeah. talking to him because they're not recapping his origin every every issue. So, so who is this character? And he's got amazing powers. And he's he's the young kid. He, he's me if I were in the Justice League. Everybody else is an adult and I'm a teenager. So it's actually <laughs> he, that Marvel formula. He, yeah, he's he's basically Snapper Carr. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but from the, the Golden Era. He's Snapper Carr if Starro <laughs> is in his head talking to him. <laughs> exactly. But actually, I remember first time I saw, you know, that, that image of Martin Stein talking to him? Yep. I thought it was like a bad guy in his head. Because he, they had, they, they often bickered and they, yeah. they weren't oh, on yeah. the same page and and he was like, leave me alone and and Stein was like, well, I won't because I can't and this is not how it works and you know what I mean. I thought, what is it? He's is he like possessed from by this evil guy or yeah, so like a mind kinda, control? Yeah, but but yeah, he was uh, he, he wasn't. He was just Firestorm. He's wacky. He's just wacky. The whole superhero thing is wacky. His powers are wacky. I mean, he can transform... I mean, he shoots fire bolts and stuff like that, yeah, and he has fire on his head, but essentially his power is changing matter. 
so he's matter changer lad. And and he changes. Yeah, but you could also do like you could face through walls. He could yeah. sit on clouds. Like you change his own density. So he had a like a, did deserve to be in the Justice League. He was oh, that well, power yeah. level, far more than say Red Tornado. Oh well, well yeah. This is just the Red Tornado bashing segment. I like Red Tornado. No, no you can't. Uh, just before he whines, which is all the time. <laughs> just before the first panel, you see him in. Yeah, right before the Pinocchio reference. Were you? Were you were you there when we uh, were you total parenthesis? But were you there at the time we had a role playing game where somebody was playing the Red Tornado as super emo? I was not there, uh, and I wish I was there. Well, shout I, out I, to Marc Doiron who played the what we called the Red Torn emo. I, the Red Torn emo was <laughs> hilarious. I heard about this many a years later. It's like the sad. He was basically Red Tornado. Red Tornado. Via uh, Marvin, the, um, the the depressed robot from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, that was basically yeah oh. the combination, well, but more pathetic. You don't have to pretend to be interested in me, you know. I know perfectly well I'm only a menial robot. Oh well, even in the early books, I mean, not and not the mama, mama, whatever with the bucket on her head. No, she no, was fine. fine. She's fine. I'm talking about the Iron Man-looking face, red tornado with the purple tornado on his belt. He was whiny then. He's like, "Ooh, I'm gonna save the the mysterious seven. Or I don't read the seven soldiers of victory because I'm not a person and nobody cares." And he's, "Oh, come on, dude, would you <laughs> stop it?" So, and that that is a junior member, yeah, if you will, is from the same era. Firestorm is. Way ahead. Way better. Way ahead. Doesn't whine. Breaking in with letters from the front. Well, we still have mail from uh, episode three, which was the Daily Planet episode. Uh, Martin Gray said, this show just gets better. We never got the Daily Planet paper in the UK that I know of. Darn. Is it sad that when you say Kurak and Iraq, I hear Korak and Arak? Um... Yes, it's sad. Tom N. said, Cisco and Bass, having a great time listening to this podcast. I remember reading this series when I was in my mid-twenties and the multitude of crossover issues I happened to collect at the time. I recently posted my first comment for the Secret Origins podcast, so now it's only fair that I post a comment for First Strike Invasion. I don't recall my local comic book store offering the Daily Planet Invasion supplement, and now I'm disappointed. I missed it. Oh, well. Thank goodness for this podcast so listeners like me can enjoy the Invasion series all over again. I'd like to make a general comment on one of the reasons why DC came up with this storyline. In the 80s, Marvel's X-Men and superpowered mutants was big. If a character had a superpower, more than likely it was explained that he or she was a mutant. God, I think Marvel even categorized Spider-Man as being a mutant for the period of time in the 80s. If the word mutant was on the cover, sales would expect to increase. Enough said. I feel DC came up with the creative response to explain the large number of superheroes of their Earth by introducing the Metagene, which I thought was clever. A Marvel character who could be considered a mutant at birth, waiting for their powers to manifest later in life. Whereas a majority of DC metahuman characters would have no clue how special they were until the correct sequence of events forced their powers to manifest. These are my thoughts. Not sure if you or your listeners agree. Looking forward to the next wave of episodes for this podcast series. Ha, pun intended. Must be my metagene responding to the outbreak of podcasts I've been listening to for the past few months. Be careful with that. And on Facebook, Mike Zumo said of that episode, I haven't listened to the episode yet. 
but I have read the issues and I wonder if we as a people would have the same response today if faced with the same decision. Would we tell the aliens to, to get bent? I'd like to think we would, he says, but I don't know. Mike, if we're the DC Universe of today, then we're probably selling out to the aliens because we're aiming for the darkest timeline at all times. And still on this episode from Twitter, Ange said he just watched the Supergirl promos uh, and this episode has since aired, but she pronounced, uh, she pronounces Kund as Kahund. Always one syllable in my mind. Same here, and since we're seeing Kund in the theme song we never use and in the promo other people will use, we're not about to change it. At least not yet. Uh, Sports and Comics also said, That damned front office of the Monarchs is going to ruin the franchise. He's the only one who read the sports page, clearly. Now on to episode 4, the Checkmate crossover. Chris Franklin said, Great show, guys. I'm in the same boat. I always thought the Checkmate Knights looked cool, but I never bought the book. Just not my kind of book bag then. I'm a sucker for a hero in golden blue black. Dr. Fate, Guardian, and this guy. My favorite part of the episode was Siskoid's comic addict confession. How many comic shops are you banned from, Siskoid? I think just the one, and it's not really in operation anymore. Are there piles of 90s image comics waiting for you to pick up? No, but probably some... Fantagraphics, graphic novels, stuff you can't sell to, to the kids, maybe. Ryan Daly said, I read the first two issues of Greg Rucka's Checkmate. I thought it was good, but I couldn't help but compare it to his Queen and Country, which I liked a whole lot more. Hmm, I know I had a lot more to say on this episode, but once you guys mentioned Faulty Towers, I started thinking about that for an hour, and I don't remember anything else. Great show. Paul Hicks uh, said, I read the entire run of Checkmate back in the day, with the invasion two-parter being my gateway. I always suspected that the story was retooled from an existing script where Checkmate fight the IRA. The invasion elements are introduced in dialogue and in a single TV shot. So relatively easy to tweak. Yeah, and you're right. That, that could be. I've always loved the uniform design of the Knights, but the series as a whole became problematic for me as they introduced a villain called Bishop, getting there before the X-Office did. He was an ongoing antagonist who was eventually revealed to be a long-serving Checkmate insider. The big problem with that revelation was that it contradicted his thought balloons in his first appearance where he encounters Checkmate operatives and is surprised that the Knight is a series of people rather than a lone individual. I can only surmise this bishop was introduced without Kupperberg predetermining his identity, and then he lost track of what he originally wrote. Also, good luck keeping Shag off your Firestorm episode. Well, we did mention him, but as you see, he was not on the episode. Ange uh, here said, I thought the costumes were cool enough to give the original comic a shot. But it was clear it was something that wasn't going to work for me. So I stopped. This issue sounds better than what I've heard of the book. As a John Steed Avengers fan, I suppose this would be the one to pick up. As for DC's uh, Sword and Sorcery, I like a lot of their 70s stuff, as brief as they were. Iron Wolf in Weird Worlds, Stalker, Starfire, and Beowulf. All fun rides. I also could never really get into Warlord. Now, you mentioned Beowulf, Ange. This is one series, a pretty short series from the 70s before the implosion or thereabouts, that I did read and review on my blog, and it's a hoot. It's Beowulf from the Grendel legend, and then he fights vampires on motorcycles kind of thing. Okay, no motorcycles, but it's pretty close. I think there's UFOs in that series. It's all over the place. Jimmy McGlinchey said, uh, Hi, Siskoid and Bass. I have been enjoying the Invasion podcast so far. Invasion happened after I began collecting comics, so it was a case of having to go back and find the series as well as whatever backups I could find. Checkmate was one of those that I managed to find for my first exposure 
And probably for many who came onto the series because of the Invasion storyline, you were definitely thrown into the deep end as regards trying to decipher who's who. If you had not been collecting Checkmate before, you would have probably thought that Sir Lionel was the principal character of the book, as opposed to being just one of the many knights that were part of the organization, and would become especially more confusing for new readers on picking up issue 12 and finding no sign of Sir, Sir Lionel anywhere. Checkmate was definitely an improved series when Rucka got hold of it. Uh, he brought in Checkmate initially during his Detective Comics run and co-opted Sasha Bordeaux, Bruce Wayne's bodyguard, from the Bruce Wayne murderer storyline into Checkmate. Then in Countdown to Infant Crisis, it was revealed that Checkmate was taken over by Maxwell Lord, well, of course, using it as a vehicle to develop the OMAC project. Only in the aftermath of Infinite Crisis did Amanda Waller, Mr. Terrific, Alan Scott, Fire, and all were brought in and formed part of a great series that Rucka developed subsequently. Look forward to listening to the rest of the podcast series, especially the next one, as I did not pick up the Firestorm issue at the time. Well, tell us what you think. Darren Sutherland from uh, the Warlord Worlds podcast said, I started to feel like the episode was recorded just for me as references were made to John Steed of the Avengers, the, the original House of Cards, Doctor Who, and Faulty Towers. You seem to be naming all of my favorite things. Then your true feelings about J.R.R. Tolkien and the Warlord comic were revealed, and I realized that it was all just a cruel bait-and-switch trick. <laughs> oh, sorry. Jeff Knowlton said, You guys missed a British Easter egg. Cavendish Foods, which was the name on the truck the terrorists used, was the name of the company owned by Peter Bowles in To the Manor Born, a delightful romantic comedy starring Penelope Keith of the Good Life, Good Neighbors fame. We missed that one. I've never watched To the Manor Born, though I recognize the title. I read the early issues of Checkmate, he says, up through the Janus Directive. It was a great concept, just never developed into an exciting series. Also, it kind of lacked for central field characters. I also had expectations of a DC version of S.H.I.E.L.D. with that gonzo 60s Bond look and feel, but Copperberg wasn't going there. Since I wasn't getting the espionage thrills I was seeking, I ended up dropping the book and spent more time seeking out Modesty Blaze collections. Eh, that's not a bad pursuit. And then Darren immediately came back saying thanks for that, Jeff, to the Mannerborn is an all-time favorite of Ruth's. His partner, Ruth Sutherland, I'll tell her about that reference. I'm sure she enjoyed it. Now... If we track back to the Facebook comments, uh, Gord Tolton came on to say, way to slide the original Hockey Night in Canada theme in. God, I've missed it. Way not to go, CBC. Sorry, Gord, I, I have to admit, I'm not really a, I'm not a real hockey fan. I didn't even remember they had changed it. But he says, now that I've commented on it, you'll have to play it again. No, I won't. Yes, I will. on Twitter, Charles Barnard at CCB1212 says, great episode guys, love the pod so far, you should do a Genesis Directive podcast when you're done with this one. Well, see you in 2058. And Nick Martorelli said, just picked up the series to read for the first time. Well, glad to be a gateway. And Michael Bailey says, seriously enjoying the show, Siskoid and his co-host are doing the Lord's work here. Maxwell Lords, I imagine. And further Twitter retweets and favorites from Hicks, Keith G. Baker, Coffee and Comics Blog, Michelle Fifa, Bill Bear, Sin, Film and Water Podcast, Ed Moore, Ed Moore Jr., 
Enigo Montoya, Dylan Knows, Waiting for Doom, Warlord Worlds, even though I didn't like, uh, I said I didn't like Warlord, Steve Chung, Trekker Talk, and Comic Reflections, and Facebook Likes and Shares from Ruth Sutherland, Kiji Baker, Al Sedano, Clinton Robinson, Nicholas Brom, The Irredeemable Shag, Rob Kelly, Sam Lowe, Ruth Sutherland, Martin Gray, Zeb Oswald, and Sean Emmons. To you all, thank you. And now to resume our podcast, Already in Progress. Well, Red Tornado killed it. Killed it. Killed <laughs> we, it. We, we, we've, we've got nothing. I just cut out five minutes of um, <laughs> dead air uh, where we're just staring at each other and going, well, yeah, Red Tornado sucks. Uh, but Firestorm's <laughs> cool, so yeah. if you have any uh, comments to add, maybe you, maybe you remember this issue, maybe you like Firestorm, maybe, you're, uh, maybe you don't, maybe you're... Maybe this point in time for, for Firestorm was your favorite, or maybe it isn't. Either way, you can leave a message at fireandwaterpodcast.com, which is the site where all our crazy podcasts are, or possibly on Twitter. If you use Twitter or Facebook, please uh, hashtag FWPodcasts. It's much easier to find your message and then read it on the so-called air. What's next, Bass? Next time on First Strike, the Invasion Podcast, Flash number 21. I'm looking forward to that one.